Alright, um, just got off the phone with a good friend and feeling compelled to start um, speaking my truth. Um, God, where to start? It is August 10th. 2020, uh, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, declared a national emergency on March 13th. So, five months ago, he um, declared a national emergency for COVID-19. Crazy, super infectious virus. Um, literally about five months ago. Wow. I am noticing moral complacency with people wearing masks in ways and in places where it is truly not necessary. I'm looking at two people in a parking lot right now. Um, a father and daughter, it looks like standing outside their car, open air, they're already sharing their germs because they probably know each other, um, wearing masks in the parking lot at a park. I see people more so wearing masks in their own car by themselves I see people getting complacent, um, surrendering to the idea that this is going to be a thing we're going to be wearing for a very long time, getting um, custom printed masks you know, of like their favorite, you know, uh, sports teams or you know, nice intricate designs, colorful, all this kind of stuff. And so, knowing what I've known and have come to know over the last decade about immunology, about how the body heals, about terrain theory and how it differs from germ theory, um, it just kind of saddens me. To be honest, it saddens me that so many of us don't know, we're never taught that the state of our health directly affects how um, we respond to a virus or any pathogen for that, that matter. Um, even that there are good pathogens, good bacteria, gut bacteria, and good viruses and whatnot. Um, it just is a reflection to me that most of the world, in this case, akin to the time when I'm sure most of the world thought the world was flat, 
straight up out of just observation. You know, of course it's flat. You look to the horizon, it's flat. Not rounded. Um, akin to that, I feel like so many of us from just observation, from programming on TV, on the news, in our biology textbooks, which are all based on germ theory, that um, essentially the the world right now in regards to medicine is flat. It's germ-based. It's the germ kills us. It's the germ that causes the the um, symptoms that are so uncomfortable, you know, like a fever, um, I don't know, all kinds of different uh, reactions that are not pleasant to being sick. All of that is, is the germ. The germ did that to us. And the core fallacy is, is that, yeah, you may get the germ, whatever it is, but whether or not your body is in a state of general good health, your symptoms are going to be dependent on that state. If your body is in general poor health, your body is going to struggle with the pathogen, uh, the virus or whatever, and it's going to show symptoms, fever, um, coughing, uh, headache, whatever, it's, whatever is going to happen to you is going to happen to you heavier and um, with more discomfort. Uh, if your body didn't go into this in a state of better health, straight up. There's no, there's no denying that if you were to speak to someone rationally. But right now, I think the majority of us have been programmed to believe that it is the, the virus that we got that's causing all those symptoms. When in reality, there are people in this world, especially in this COVID-19 world, who have contracted COVID-19, um, experience little, little to no or essentially mild symptoms, um, which says that, yes, it is the same virus. Maybe they got a different viral load, which... It's possible that someone could have coughed in their face versus someone else who didn't have someone cough in their face. They got a smaller amount of the viral particles. Fine, understood, you know, reasonable. But in the end, if our body is not in a state of reasonably good health, that small viral load within a couple days to a week, usually in a couple days, can amount to a molehill of bad symptoms, uncomfortable, not pleasant symptoms. And germ theory is going to say that those symptoms were caused by the virus itself. It's the virus that did that. But if that were true, then every single person on the planet would experience those same symptoms. So a rational thinker who is not in the state of fear, I believe, would just look at it for what it is. 
and at least question, well, why is it that Susie breezed through this, barely even showed any signs that she had influenza or COVID for that matter? And Johnny got hit like a truck and is in bed and on the verge of hospitalization or is in the hospital. Germ theory, germ theory would point out that it's the germ that did that. And uh, terrain theory points out that it is your terrain, your internal environment, and to probably a lesser extent, your external environment um, being swampy, <laughs> uh, not healthy, unclean, that contributes to the internal environment um, when I say unclean, I also mean psychologically unclean. Um, fear, people threatening you, people tearing you down, just uh, toxic people, not just, you know, a toxic physical space, you know, with mold and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, so to a, to a larger extent, when we are infected by any virus, any pathogen, to a large extent, it's not the, the pathogen itself, although it, it is only, it is simply only looking for a suitable host to replicate and take over. That's its job, kind of like a cancer. Although not few people have related it or equated it to a form of cancer, but I think it's just a very, very, um, potentially uh, quicker spreading form of cancer, uh, a virus. And if, uh, and if a person's body isn't ready for it, uh, if your immune system, immune system isn't strong enough at that moment in time, maybe you just had a big breakup, um, maybe you're not taking care of yourself very well um, physically, haven't been exercising, getting the toxins out, you know, activating the lymphatic system, maybe haven't been sleeping enough, uh, have been troubles, haven't, having trouble sleeping, um, not getting enough vitamin D. There's a, there's a whole host of things that you could potentially n not be doing that would be causing, you know, setting up your body to not be ready for any otherwise uh, potentially deadly pathogen like COVID-19. And that's that's the reality that we're in right now. Um, a lot of people, a lot of countries right now, I believe New Zealand, I'd say a lot, uh, a growing number of countries right now and a gro growing number of cities like New York in, in the States have gotten past the brunt of this virus where, you know, we're flattening the curve, less people are being infected, less people are dying so on and so forth, which is activating a, uh, call it a theory, something that's been going on since the dawn of, of uh, biology is essentially a thing called herd immunity. And herd immunity is, is related to a thing called r naught. And our r naught, in in, for most influenza that I've, that I've, um, I've heard of, is that the R naught for the, the average, essentially average R naught for a typical influenza is around 
1.2, And what that says is, is that anything over one, R1, anything over R1 is a, a virus that will infect a little bit more than one other person. So instead of being one other person and not growing exponentially, it is a slight exponential growth. It grows a little bit more than one. Uh, so out of, I don't know, 10 people, uh, you're going to infect, um, well, if you're 10 of you, the 10 of you would infect, let's say 13 people. Okay, so it would slowly grow. If it was just 10 infecting 10, it wouldn't really be growing so much. How they, how they decided this, I don't know exactly, but that's it. Anything over R1, the, the pathogen will be in, um, in the human population, you know, transmitting in the human population indefinitely. If it goes below R1, it um, eventually disappears. Just depends on how much lower than R1 it gets uh, down to R0, which would mean it's essentially non-existent. Which I haven't looked it up, but I'm assuming that that's probably impossible that it would eventually die out and be zero. It's possible, I suppose, if it's left to a small community and eventually they all get sick and they all get herd immunity. Which brings me to herd immunity. Um, if the R value is 2, or let's say three, herd immunity says that essentially you need two out of three people to become immune to this, whether it be by via vaccine or they were exposed to it, they, they, are, they wrote it out, whatever, now they're immune. You need two out of three people in the population, the total population of the country, city, whatever, two out of every three people need to be immune so that it can only be passed on to one of them. Okay, so it stays at R1. The goal is to get it to at least R1 or less. So to reach herd immunity, assuming an R number of three, which it's been estimated that it's even below three at this point. It's probably around two or even less. But reality of it is, is that if it were three, you need two out of three people with immunity to, um, to ensure that this virus doesn't continue to spread. Those two out of the three become shields protecting others who would otherwise get infected to keep it down to only I'm only affecting one other person in the room, um, let's say, uh, out of whoever was there, 10 people, I'm only infecting one. Or let's say out of the three, I'm only infecting one, you know? It's only being passed on one-fold, not three-fold. So um, if that makes any sense. If it doesn't, look it up. Um, herd immunity. And uh, so the point I'm trying to make here is, is that herd immunity has essentially been achieved without a vaccine in the country of Sweden. Now, apparently, after 100, 100 days of no deaths, I believe, I believe it was no deaths in New Zealand, now New Zealand, this is...
pre-vaccine. Now a vaccine, most of you guys know, I would hope, is that a vaccine is only supposed to give your body a taste of a, a small amount, like a, a, a low um, a low dosage, so to speak, you know, a low viral load of a supposedly dead, uh, inactive, inert vi uh, virus that is the thing that we're looking at. COVID-19. Um, the vaccine's supposed to help your immune system because it'll, it'll have, it'll help, it will have already um, kind of built up an immunity to the virus before you, you would were to get a, a higher viral load in the future. So that when your body does essentially get that higher viral load, it's more able to uh, deal with it, cope with it. Um, the good thing about what's happening right now that has brought me to the verge of tears, to tears a couple times, even more recently, is those countries, and now um, New York City, are at or very near to herd immunity just for the simple fact that there's less people being exposed to this that are contracting it, quote-unquote. There are shields out there that are immune, that are literally shields protecting um, the uninfected person from the infected person. Um, someone might cough on an, uh, an already immune person to COVID. That person's body terrain will handle the virus, eliminate the virus, um, if they're, obviously they're exercising, they're healthy, they're getting rid of it through their, their waste disposal system, if you know what I'm saying, and it's gone, it's dead. It's been nipped in the bud, it doesn't get a chance, since that person is not sick, they're not osmotically going to just, like, it's not just going to come out of their mucous membranes if the person is not sick. There's no way that that immune person is going to infect someone that they come in contact with after being exposed again by someone else who's sick to that virus. They won't take it home to their mother or grandparent or whatever and infect them. That grandparent will have certainly gotten it from someone else if that was the case. So the, the, the key to herd immunity is to get to actually slowly... And this is why, this is the only premise that makes any logical sense to social distancing and mask wearing is not, is simply to delay the onset of herd immunity and not inundate our hospitals. That's what it's been. And in essence, that's kind of what I've, I've heard has happened. I haven't heard a whole lot of stories about hospitals in the United States being overrun and beyond capacity, even when it comes to ventilators, which was the thing that everyone was worried about in the beginning. However, I don't watch the news like the rest of us as much as the rest of us. And so what I get is usually what's drastic, what people say I must know about. It's okay. 
Um, and so I haven't heard about it. Doesn't mean it hasn't been happening. But essentially, that's why we have been social distancing and wearing masks is to delay uh, reaching herd immunity, so less people don't get infected, less people get infected, um, less people die on the way to, and possibly in, in, th in their case, uh, extend the amount of time with the least amount of deaths to make make enough time for a vaccine to come on board that's efficable. Eff I forget the actual term. Uh, it's an efficacious, let's say, vaccine. And apparently those trials and everything, the total term is something like a year and a half to two years. And they're trying to push them out on us in months. In fact, there are some that have claimed that are claimed to be already ready um, for human trials, which makes absolutely no sense at all. There are obvious um, corners that are, that are being cut. Um, as it is right now, vaccine manufacturers have no liability based on something that happened in, I think, I forget if it was the 40s, it's the 50, somewhere around there, they, they, were, they were given carte blanche to create a vaccine, even if it's not perfectly efficacious, that it, even if it won't uh, work for every single person, even if it might cause uh, adverse health effects, side effects, uh, that are not even related to the virus itself. Um, so they've been, they've been given, um, essentially immunity to any kind of lawsuits, apparently, that may come about from people who are harmed by the vaccine itself. Essentially people who are already immunocompromised and, uh, are going to struggle with even that dose of vaccine. S seeing that it is a small dose of the virus itself, um, so, I think that's where I'm at right now. I think, I think what a lot of us need to hear is this. Um, based on the conversation with my friend today, is a lot of us need to, um, I think what's happening on the news is creating a lot, instilling a lot of fear in people general population is very fearful right now of a virus that they are told we don't understand that they are told could cause death which is true could the numbers are very low if you consider them against the entire population of a country but right now um, those numbers are based on um, infected cases, people who are infected. What's the mortality rate of the people who are infected? Not the mortality rate of the population of state, uh, country, whatever. There's many different ways to look at mortality rate, and they have different. It's different terms on what you, how you. Um, 
there's an infection fatality rate, there's a mortality rate, there is, uh, I think there's another term, I forget what it's called, based on population, it's crazy. But it's very confusing for a lot of people, I think, because it's misleading. It can be taken so many different ways. So in the end, sadly, so many of us are in a state of fear. And I think we all know what happens in a state of fear, right? Deer in the headlights, what happens? You freeze up. Your body freezes up. Your mind freezes up. You get, you get more into a state of fog, of confusion, when you're in the state of fear. Nothing good comes from a state of fear. So um, I think what's going to matter moving forward is, is that we are more compassionate with each other, with where we're at with this, given the reality of what's happening on the news and what we're seeing and, and the fear and, and what one person says and what another person says. All this stuff is causing more fear and more confusion. And so, again, nothing good comes out of a state of fear. So, I think it's going to come down to being kind as you possibly can, as kind as you possibly can to the people who don't have the same belief as yourself. I know that might be really hard to hear right now. People are like, oh, no way, I hate that person. God, I wish they would change. The reality of it is, is that they, who, they are who they are. You're shooting on them, should, shooting on them, that they should be different than what they are, is only causing you more suffering, you more stress. They could give a shit, pardon my words, they could give a shit whether you think they should be different than they are. They are. It's what they are. And I think a lot of us wishing others to be different than who they are is causing us a lot of additional suffering right now that none of us need. And I can get into that more um, once I delve deeper into uh, podcasting. But this is just kind of my initial segue um, because the iron is hot and I realize it's time. It's time for us all to love a little more be a little bit more tolerant of others. We don't need to accept others. We don't need to accept their way of being. We don't need to accept their their religion and take it into our heart and, you know, be that. We don't need to do that. We can at least be tolerant of that. And loving of the fact that that's where they're at. Right? Be compassionate. Like, no one on this planet is you. There's no one that is going to match your frequency, your vibration, your way of thinking, your belief system. No one is going to possibly match that. Even your parents, even your closest siblings, there's going to be a certain amount of differentiation where you're going to be thinking slightly differently and that might be uncomfortable for, for some of us. Okay. Being tolerant of that is the the most kind and loving thing you can do for another person. Now, if their thinking is 
let's say, um, causing themselves suffering and or uh, creating a lot of pain in another person, uh, themselves, of course, like that's, that's a big deal. And maybe they do need help, you know, and maybe there are ways to get around helping someone, um, you know, be less toxic or, or inflict less pain on others. And it's true, there are a lot of people out there that are just toxic human beings, and um, that's sad. And I, I know most of us have, you know, at least one of those people in our life that are just, they're just kind of toxic, you know? And it's that e even more of a reason to be as loving and as compassionate and as kind and as tolerant as possible of those people. Because I think... Um, one of the one of the sayings that really resonates with me, especially now, is um, the solution is always more love. And at the bottom, there's a question that just says, "What was the problem?" A solution is always more love. What was the problem? In other words, no matter what the problem is in your mind, the only solution is to come at it and lead with more love, more kindness, more tolerance. Again, we don't need to accept a person's way of being, of, belie of believing, um, their political affiliation. We don't need to accept it as our own, but we certainly can be tolerant of it. In fact, we need to. We're all different. If, we're, if we were to be a person who was completely intolerant of people being different than us, we couldn't possibly exist amongst others because every single person is different. You'd have, be, you'd have to be living in a bubble, and we don't. So hopefully I can bring a little bit more light to this situation in the weeks and months ahead. Um, I really would like to see a way for this country and the world to heal from this without enforcing permanent um, germ prevention measures to try futilely, futilely to make futile, futile efforts to try to protect the world population or in our case, the American population from viruses and pathogens, which, which inevitably is futile. So if anything I say can help us get back to a actual norm where we are again no longer afraid of a virus, of getting the flu, that it's a normal part of being human, and we could actually educate ourselves, share knowledge of how to strengthen our body terrain, to strengthen our immune system, to put that as number one on our list of things to do often, knowing that it's an act of love, it actually helps people live through an infection by, from, 
a potentially, otherwise potentially deadly virus. Infection is one thing. A million people can be infected by a virus, but if that virus isn't deadly, and every single one of those people, especially the elderly, and the people who are already immunocompromised, can be taught ways to strengthen their immunity so that they don't die, which is our main fear. Our main fear in all of this is that we don't die. Nobody wants to die, at least not an early death. We are all going to die. There will be a time for all of us, but it doesn't need to come from COVID-19 or any potentially deadly pathogen. So I'll just leave you guys with this. I love you, I see you, I love you, and stay true to you, and protect yourself as best you can with something more than prevention, something more than social distancing, more than just social distancing. I am not saying don't do social distancing, I'm not saying don't wear a mask at this time, however, I feel we don't actually need to wear a mask covering our nose because we do not cough and we do not sneeze and mucus of any sort does not come out of our nose unless we we sneeze wrong. <laughs> to tell you the truth, it just sounds sick and disgusting, but if we sneeze wrong, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's going to come out of our nose. But to be honest, allowing ourselves to be to have our main filtration system freed up and un, um, unfiltered, un, what should I say, uh, unmasked our nose means that we breathe proper levels of oxygen and we don't retain excess levels of carbon dioxide that can make us sick and we don't get into a habit of mouth breathing to try to remove said excess carbon dioxide from wearing a mask completely tightly over our face. Let that land. Play it back if you have to. No one, no one needs to die unnecessarily from this virus or any virus. We just need to help educate each other about ways that we can strengthen our body terrain, call it the immune system, call it whatever you want, call it better health, call it wellness. I don't, I don't know if it really matters what you call it. Improve that, because when you improve that, you actually increase your chances of not dying from an infection by an, a virus. Not just COVID-19. The rest of the viruses on the planet didn't just go to sleep, you know, because of COVID-19. Now, given they might have been um, thwarted a bit by our social distancing and our, you know, mask wearing and and whatnot, but you know, they're still they're still there. The rest of those viruses are still there, and they can still. It's not like COVID-19 is the only thing that we would essentially need to fear. And again. There is no reason to fear a virus because our body is specifically and, and miraculously 
majestically, masterfully able to cope with any pathogen that comes along because if it didn't, we'd be dead. We would die before our time. So essentially improving our general health is actually our best protection from the worst case scenario, death. We cannot hide from pathogens forever. It is literally impossible. You'd have to live in a bubble. And we're, none of us are going to continue our lives trying to live in a bubble because it's literally impossible to live in a bubble as a human being on this planet. You cannot do it. And if you did it, it would be a, a, a egregious waste, in my opinion, a waste of a life. We've been put here to experience this gift of life and to be happy. And no one is going to be fulfilled, fully nourished and happy if they're confined to four walls that is not nature and walks around with essentially something like a muzzle over their face day in and day out. No one can see your face. No one can see your smile. Who knows how many relationships didn't happen or flourish primarily didn't happen because you you weren't able to see a person's face. What are you going to do? Walk up to someone and say, I really like your body. I, I like the way you look. I, I can't see you, but I really want to go out with you. I mean, come on. Is it is that going to be is that going to be the new norm? You know, I really like the way you look, you know. Um, can't see your face. But you want to go out? No. We're we're thwarting a lot of um, potential relationships, new relationships. Um, and that's not human. It's just not human. And it just can't go on. We're already getting a taste of a world, a vaccine-free world. And I want that to land for people who are listening to this. If, you, if it hasn't landed yet, we live in a vaccine-free world. Vaccines are actually not necessary. Herd immunity is. Strengthening our immune system so we die, don't die is so that we can get to herd immunity with as little death toll as humanly possible. This is not going to be the last, last deadly, potentially deadly uh, virus that is going to come um, across our path as humans. It's going to potentially threaten us, our existence. It's not going to be the last. And in fact, this is one of the... the, the mildest on that spectrum when you compare it to something like um, smallpox or even rabies which is almost 100% mortality rate 100% of the people who get it almost 100% if you, of the people who get it that especially the ones that don't get the vaccine which you have to get in time almost 100% of those people die we're not even close to that we're at globally, I think we're around like something around four and a half or five percent mortality rate 
um, going down slowly. I think it was at the most it was at about eight percent, and that's all depending on how you how you look at it, how you calculate mortality. So anyway, if if you, if you get nothing from this talk, I hope you get that. The only way to ensure yours and your loved ones' survival from this virus, coming through this alive, is to teach, learn, educate yourself, and share methods to create a stronger immune system and a healthy body terrain. And one step further is a healthier environmental outer body terrain meaning outer body environment if you are in a toxic emotional and physical environment that is a huge contributor to your body state of health it is your environment that dictates how your body is going to respond to any pathogen not the pathogen itself. This is why this is the explanation for all of the variables and how people respond to this virus. This is the the simple science that seems woo-woo to you right now, but is actually founded in real science. People's body terrain, people's body and outer physical environment are all different. Every single one of us has a slight nuance in our environment, our terrain. And that directly affects how our body responds to a virus. Whether or not we live, whether or not we have mild or even zero symptoms. There are people that, there are many, many, many people that have been tested positive, but, but have almost no symptoms at all. They might have some sniffles or whatever, Okay, maybe it's gone in a day or two. No big deal. Almost nothing. Their body didn't struggle too much with the fight. The people who are the least healthy among us are the ones whose body struggled with that fight. The symptoms were critical. And in some cases, coming off of the ventilator, there's nothing left for modern medicine to do. The immune system is trashed. There is no way for that person's immune system at that point to get back up and heal them, bring them back to life. Their terrain is fully compromised. Remember, modern medicine cannot pick up, lift up a person's body whose terrain has been shot. It can help, but in the end, if a person goes into this with a weak enough body terrain, weak enough immune system, continues to breathe improperly, in the, hosp in the hospital is ill-equipped to help them gain the nutrition or, or uh, practices to help them get out of that rut, their body will succumb. And that's the sad, it's a sad, it's sad, but it wasn't the virus itself. Again, germ theory says that it's the virus itself that causes the illness. 
the virus itself will cause symptoms if the thing between the virus and the symptom is shot, is weak, is suppressed, is unhealthy, is, is just, you know, bad, bad food choices, not enough sleep, never getting in the sun, um, just a mix of a ton of things that, that, uh, you know, no exercise, getting rid of your, your toxins in your body, not activating the lymphatic system, sitting on the couch, binge watching TV, uh, you know, Netflix. I mean, they actually encouraged it like, Oh great. We get to watch the whole series of, you know, whatever XYZ show now, cause we're, we're at home with no vitamin D and, uh, and not moving our body because uh, we're sitting watching, you know, binge watching whatever ch- show we love. You know, I get it. Great. That's there's there's one side to it that's healthy. There, you know, you're feeling good uh, p- potentially from watching your favorite show. Um, that could be helping your your body to a certain extent, but uh, but not helping your lymphatic system get rid of toxins. So if, if you're not keeping a balance not doing things that humans do, <laughs> you know, just basic things like getting out and going for a walk or, you know, just simply getting enough sleep. It's not abnormal sleep. It's not, you know, stay up all night, pull an all nighter for the company sleep, you know, because you need to get some kind of a, of a, of a project done the next day or else insufficient sleep, stress, whatever, you know, we can all shift. We all have the potential to change our outer and inner environment. And literally our choices and our self-love and uh, our tolerance of others so we don't stress further from others not being like us can only help our body be ripe for protecting us when we need it most. Anyway, I think this has probably gone long enough for a first segue into what I'd like to be talking about um, in the future. Uh, I just thought I'd strike while the iron was hot on um, this topic because it's been kind of bothering me. There's much more to it uh, than what I've said, but if you jive with what I've said a lot has been said in about 45 minutes so if you jive with what I said I'm sure and most of us do I'm sure you missed something important I would invite you all to go back and listen to it again not too much time and there'll be more Um, there'll be more and hopefully I can get more people on here it would uh, be able to help us walk through this process of loving ourselves more, being more tolerant of others, and uh, making the, the choices that support better health and uh, not fearing a virus ever. It is entirely possible. I love you all. You're having a great day or night whenever this comes to you. Um, Till the next one.
Bye for now.